Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If there's one common thread, it might be that men perceive church as too feminine. We have to be aggressive in the world when it's appropriate. We are warriors. One, two, three. Warriors! You are a real man when you commit to study God's word and you commit to being conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the biblical perspective on being a man. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Perhaps this is the reason you're so anxious. This is Wretched Radio. Yes, these are anxious times, but God's children should not be an anxious people. Perhaps this attribute of God might just be the medicine you need to cure your anxiety. If I asked you... What attributes of God can we study to receive comfort and encouragement? What would you say? I suspect it might be uh, sovereignty, God's goodness, God's mercy, and all of those attributes most certainly do provide comfort. But I suspect the attribute of faithfulness did not land on your list. I'll confess it didn't hit mine either because it's a subject that is so undiscussed, not discussed. Somebody help me with my grammar. Nobody's talking about the attribute of faithfulness and what comfort it brings. I hold in my never before nicotine stained fingers, free grace broadcaster, the title of this assembling of dead guys who wrote about the attribute of faithfulness is called, well, how providential the faithfulness of God. And I'll tell you. What's really amazing about this, I just received this in the mail yesterday, read it last night, and I had just finished reading a book from Lou Priolo called Faithfulness. Oh, that is such a God thing, isn't it? (laughs) Of course it is. It's all a God. So let's just say, for instance, I read a book called Faithfulness, and Free Grace Broadcaster sends me a booklet, and instead of it being the faithfulness of God, it's titled The Love of God. It has nothing to do with one another directly. Would I still say it's a God thing? I should, because everything is a God thing. Everything he does is coordinated. That means it's the best. That means if your plans are being thwarted, it's because your plans aren't as good as God's plans. And he will only do for his children what they need. If you think that the dead guys were never tender because all you hear from them is fire and brimstone, we love that zesty stuff. But listen to A.W. Pink. Now, he wasn't that long ago. Within the last hundred years, he died in 1952, 1886 to 1952. But listen to his description of the people to whom he is writing. It's going to sound very contemporary, very relevant, even though... He was writing to people who live in a slower time. So if you think, oh, just to go back to Walton's Mountain, it would just be so much simpler. Well, of course, to a degree, it would be because life is a bit more complex now. But the same issues, the same carking cares existed 50 years, 500 years ago. Nothing has changed. Listen to A.W. Pink perhaps describe you. There are reasons in the lives of all when it is not easy. No, not even for Christians to believe that God is faithful. Our faith is sorely tried. Our eyes are dimmed with tears and we can no longer trace the outworkings of his love. Our ears are distracted with the noises of the world, harassed by the atheistic whisperings of Satan. 
and we can no longer hear the sweet accents of his still small voice. Cherished plans have been thwarted. Friends on whom we relied have failed us. A professed brother or sister in Christ has betrayed us. We are staggered. We sought to be faithful to God, and now a dark cloud hides him from us. We find it impossible for carnal reason to harmonize his frowning providence with his gracious promises. Listen to these tender words. Ah, faltering soul, severely tried fellow pilgrim, seek grace and heed Isaiah 50.10. Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Does that maybe describe you? This booklet, which shines a spotlight on an attribute, I have to confess, I suspect if we went to wretched.org, use the search engine for either TV or radio, I don't know that we've ever talked about this attribute. (laughs) I mean, wow, what a mistake that is, because the faithfulness of God has so many fruits that it can bear, like you and me being calm. Not being anxious, not growing angry or weary. Let's take a look at the faithfulness of God. This again is from A.W. Pink. God is true. His word of promise is sure. In all his relations with his people, God is faithful. He may be safely relied upon. No one ever yet really trusted him in vain. We find this precious truth expressed almost everywhere in the scriptures. For his people need to know that faithfulness is an essential part of the divine character. All right, so now I'm thinking, drive-by theology. Did drive-by theology a number of years ago with Dr. Steve Lawson, and I don't know that we discussed the faithfulness of God, that he doesn't change, that he is immutable, that his character is constant, that his promises are always fulfilled, always, back to A.W. Pink, This is the basis of our confidence in him. But it is one thing to accept the faithfulness of God as a divine truth. It's another to act upon it. So how might you act on this? You just received the bad news. And there's plenty of that going on these days in the lives of the nation and the lives of all of us. How are you going to react? We want to Remember the doctrine of sovereignty. We want to remember God's goodness, but we need to remember his faithfulness that he has promised you everything that he does for you is for you. Everything. God only does that which is right and good and best, and he never wavers on that. And that means when you are hit by a tidal wave, you can say, God is good. He's faithful. He has a reason for this, and he is going to deliver on his promises, either now or in eternity. Have you been thinking about the faithfulness of God? I thought it was interesting that one of these fellows, and interestingly, this booklet, it's filled with the sermons of, uh, they don't have a table of contents, A.W. Pink, Edward Pierce, he lived in the 1600s, Charles Spurgeon, of course, is in here. There's Charles Bridges. He lived from 1794 to 1869. It was interesting that as I read through these different sermons based on different verses about one subject, God's faithfulness, it's amazing how consistent they were. 
was just listening to uh, uh, <laughs> I was listening to something. <laughs> I've never met him. Uh, he's he's the Grand Poobah of the Master Seminary, and I know his name, and I can't think of it. Abner Chow? No, no uh, that's Master's University. Okay. Yeah, and he, by the way, Abner Chow, was just, I think, a, the commencement address that was given at the Master's U. It was made formal and public. He's leading that school. Duncan, not Ligon. <laughs> it's a different Duncan. Oh, Hines. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nothing. This is going to be very bad for me. I remember Nathan Boosnitz. At any rate, he was interviewing John MacArthur, asking him how he prepares sermons. And John MacArthur walked through his process. And as a big part of it, it was reading commentaries of dead guys. Why? Because he didn't want to miss out on former illumination. He's not the only one that is illuminated by the Spirit of God. God's people have been since the get-go. And it's foolish to say, no, I'm just going to study the text in Greek and come up with my own conclusions. Now, you should study the text in Greek and you should come up with your own conclusions, but you should compare them to old dead guys. And one of the comments that he made in reading through 8 to 12 different commentaries on a particular verse, he said, it's amazing how constant they were. How even though they put it in different ways, they would perhaps structure the outline of a text differently. Nevertheless, it was just the same. Their take on it wasn't like, whoa, that guy really found a nugget. No, they all found the same nuggets. And that is true with these sermons on faithfulness. I kept reading through them and going, well, that guy's basically saying the same thing that guy's saying. Oh, that guy's saying the same thing that guy is saying. And what they're saying is because God is faithful, you can count on him. Question, what is the emblem of God's faithfulness? You know what an emblem is. It's a logo, if you will, that gets put on to an entity to describe what it is or to say, this is what we're all about. That's an emblem. God has an emblem, an emblem that states, if you are thinking for a second that I am going to let you stumble irreparably, you are failing to remember my emblem. If you are concerned about tomorrow, remember my emblem. If you think that you are going to go down without me taking care of you, you need to remember my emblem. Jimmy, do you know what God's emblem of faithfulness is? Jesus. I knew you would say that. And yes, it's true. But that's not the one these dead guys are talking about. We will reveal God's emblem of faithfulness that you will be able to tangibly experience and find peace. This is Wretched Radio. Thanks for joining us on Wretched Radio today. Question, do you ever sit back and reflect on what your life was like 5, 10, 15, even 20 minutes ago? <laughs> yeah, me neither. There's too much going on in the present to waste time reflecting on the past. And that, unfortunately, is the mindset of culture today. Of course, it's actually beneficial to reflect on the past, especially past episodes of Wretched TV and Radio, which can be found organized nice and neat at Wretched.org. You'll also find over 40 amazing resources in the Wretched store, which coincidentally 
Lee were all produced and written in the past. Imagine that. You can learn in the present from things produced in the past. And thanks to the ongoing support of our gospel partners, we have been able to continue talking about the greatest event that ever happened in the past, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sure would love and cherish your prayers and support as we use the things of the past to affect lives in the present and future. So if any of this made any sense to you whatsoever, visit us online right now at wretched.org slash donate. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Transformed, our latest production is available now in the Wretched Store or by visiting transformed.org. This show is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people dealing with real issues like anxiety, OCD, depression, phobias, and trauma. What you won't see is a secular therapy session or even a Christian counseling session which still uses secular psychology. No, you are going to witness the power of the Bible and work right before your eyes. Real people with real problems being offered real solutions. Hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at The Masters University and Dr. Dale Johnson, the Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Transformed where you'll witness biblical counseling as it takes people from brokenness to wholeness. Visit transformed.org Know your church fathers. John Chrysostom was the bishop of Syria and Constantinople in the 4th century. He was an eloquent preacher and earned the moniker Chrysostom, which means golden-mouthed. He denounced abuses of authority in church and government and fought for purity of life and doctrine. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Freeman. Nope! I didn't forget. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, I'm so relieved that my memory didn't fail me. You know, as a talk show host, that never happens. Never. Never never say anything wrong because I'm a talk show host. Never apologize for anything because I'm a talk show host. I did not forget the name of the guy who's leading the Master Seminary because it's not actually Austin Duncan. It's not. (laughs) So see what I... What I did there to slip out of that gaff, <laughs> Austin Duncan, he heads up the doctoral program for ministry at the Master Sem. Yes. But it's Abner Chow, you're telling me, is now the Grand Poobah of Masters U and Master Seminary? Yep. That's right. Wow. He should, he should be known by more people. He's a whippersnapper. Abner Chow is so young. How young is he? Last time I met him, he had Similac on his breath. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> Have you noticed the baby food shortage, Jimmy? Yes. I think I know why. 
We're experiencing the baby food shortage. We never experienced this until men could have babies. Oh, yes. See? Now look look at now look at what we've done oh. with the men having babies. Congratulations to Abner Chowing. Congratulations to you. If you were able to discern God's emblem of faithfulness, a tangible gift to you to remind you he's not a shifting shadow. He has not abandoned you. You are not alone. You are not going through something unnecessarily. God's emblem that you can actually step on should comfort you. That emblem, of course, is the planet, terra firma. It's the earth. It is this ball that we live on that keeps spinning exactly the way that it's supposed to, that has exactly the right distance from the moon. The sun always comes up. The sun always sets. It is like a clock. Every single day, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. Every molecule being controlled by God, every life that is actually breathing or just growing, God is the source of it. And he just keeps going and he never changes and he's always faithful. So if you are feeling like, I'm kind of scared because this world seems out of control. It's absolutely not. And all you should do is step outside of your domicile and take a walk. And as your feet hit the ground, each step you should be reminded God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. You might want to walk slowly because repeating that quickly will become tedious. But the point is, The earth is God's emblem of faithfulness. This is how it was described in the Free Grace Broadcaster, a sermon by a dead guy, specifically Thomas Manton, a nonconformist Puritan preacher in Somerset, England. Well, if if he's a nonconformist, that means he wouldn't do what the Church of England wanted. That means he got booted out of his church. We might want to study more of those guys because... I suspect more of that could be happening just about any day now. Nevertheless, he writes this. We should consider the earth, the emblem of God's faithfulness, for it is a help to frequent meditation as being always before our eyes. They are without excuse who see not God in this thing. Every time we set foot on the ground, we may remember the stability of God's promises. And it is also a confirmation of faith. And then the Puritan, like the Puritans do, gives about a 17-point outline with about 812 subpoints to demonstrate God's faithfulness is revealed in the running of the earth. Have you been taking advantage of that emblem? Have you been lacking peace because you have not been seeing God's faithfulness in the planet? Back to A.W. Pink, if and you don't mind. This is application. This is a guy who wasn't just a theologian. He was well aware of the hurts and the sorrows and the bruises on the people that would be reading these words. This is eminently practical. The apprehension of the blessed truth of God's faithfulness will preserve us from worry. Are you worrying too much these days? To be full of care, to view our situation with dark forebodings, to anticipate the morrow with sad anxiety for his child through all the years will not forsake him in old age. 
He who has heard your prayers in the past will not refuse to supply your need in the present emergency, nor in the future. Why? Because he's faithful. The apprehension of this blessed truth will check our murmurings. So if you're a grumbler, you need to be focusing on God's faithfulness. The Lord knows what is best for each of us. And one effect of resting on this truth will be the silencing of our petulant complainings. (laughs) I think that's a word we should use more often these days. God is greatly honored when, under trial and chastening, we have good thoughts of him. Vindicate his wisdom and justice and recognize his love in his very rebukes. Maybe right now you don't feel happy. You don't feel like God is near. You don't feel like God cares. Those are all lies because he's faithful. And he didn't say, I will never leave you nor forsake you unless, of course, you're Jimmy Hicks. Then... I just might dump you because hoofda, yeah, you are <laughs> something. You don't read that. You don't. You don't hear him giving exceptions. No nota bene. I guess it would be nota benai. Notai benai would be the plural. Sorry, I just went off in a Latin world. The point is, God doesn't put asterisks on his promises. They are forever faithful and true. The apprehension of this blessed truth will beget increasing confidence in God. When we trustfully resign ourselves and all our affairs into God's hands, fully persuaded of his love and faithfulness, that's crucial, the sooner shall we be satisfied with his providences and realize that he does all things well. Your job is to be like God in that your faithful to your assignments. Your job is not to control outcomes. Your job is to teach your kids to love Jesus. Your job is not to convert them. Your job is to go to work and do your job better than everybody else. And if you get fired, you can rest in God's faithfulness that he is doing the right thing and that he, despite your desires, doesn't want you employed there anymore. If you can if you can fall into this, he used the word resign. It has a little bit of a flavor of, well, I guess I just have to do this. And you do. But I don't think it has to be like, okay, whatever. I'm just putting on my hands. I'm all done. I can't control it anyway. Now, that is the sentiment that we should have. But that isn't the reason we should resign ourselves. We should resign ourselves to accepting God's outcomes because they are always best. What God ordains is always good. What God ordains is always good. What does he ordain? Everything. That means whatever is going on in your life is good. It's not just the outcome. Remember, God does not make lemonade out of lemons. God is not a 911 responder. God is actually ordaining your days every single second of the 24 hours that he allows you to live. He's ordaining it all. And when you remember his love, his goodness, and his faithfulness, what a difference that makes. My kid turned out to be a monster. Were you faithful? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I tried really hard. All righty. Then rest in God's providence. He's faithful. He doesn't change. He doesn't do anything poorly. 
You lose your job. You lose your health. You lose your dream. You lose your hope. Stop. Whatever it was that you were desiring wasn't the best desire for you. How do I know? Because it didn't come to fulfillment. If it had been the best desire, then God would have granted that. He would have given that to you. But he knows, at least right now, that is not what is best for you. Inside of the Free Grace Broadcaster, there's a quote from Louis Burkhoff. <sighs> if you ever want to read a beating. The faithfulness of God is of the utmost practical significance to the people of God. It is the ground of their confidence, the foundation of their hope, and the cause of their rejoicing. It saves them from the despair to which their own unfaithfulness might easily lead, gives them courage to carry on in spite of their failures, and fills their hearts with joyful anticipations, even when they are deeply conscious of the fact that they have forfeited all the blessings of God. Have you considered God's faithfulness lately? Perhaps that is the reason that you and I too often feel all too anxious. Perhaps this is the reason why you and I have a tendency all too often, especially these days, to get all too agitated. Now, all, all of these, these crummy things, we, we look at them and we go, they are bad, but God is ordaining them because ultimately they must be for our good. All of it. You Look at the economy. <laughs> Do you hear the sound of it crashing? Do you hear the deficit being rung up? Do you hear the stock market plummeting? Guess what? The Dow will close today exactly where God has predetermined that it should. And that will be the best number imaginable because it is God's number. And if you have been panicking, freaking out, worried and anxious and biting your nails over what in the world is going on in the world, remember God's faithfulness. This is Wretched Radio. This is Ratchet Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, the homeschooling movement has been growing rapidly over the last couple of years, and MSNBC columnist Anthea Butler says that it's because the evangelical right is obsessed with killing public schools. The article states numbers that say households homeschooling their children have more than doubled since the spring of 2020. And Butler says that the conservative Christian right has been working hard to dismantle public schooling for years. So, Christian parents desiring a Christian education free from the lies of CRT and LGBT ideology is dismantling public education? Really? No, the truth is the uptick in homeschooling families actually undermines the left's ability to groom and brainwash the number of children that they would like to. So this could push back their timeline of communizing America by a generation. And that is scaring some people. And speaking of public schools, a Wisconsin middle school has filed a Title IX complaint against three students for sexual harassment because the three students, they say, didn't use the preferred pronouns of another student. A mother of one of the students being charged says she thought it was a joke at the beginning, but the school district stands behind the charges, calling the boy's failure to use the pronouns of choice bullying and harassment. 
And if it were me, I would probably file a counterclaim because requiring someone to participate in a fantasy or a lie is also a form of harassment and bullying. And even more public school news, this from a Florida middle school principal who's written a lengthy Facebook post that tells parents to stop getting in their way because teachers will do what's best for students in spite of their parents. Yep, she told parents to quit pushing for stupid bills because education wasn't their lane. Maybe, maybe not, but their children certainly are, and this lady is probably due for an early retirement. But a doctor in India evidently has nothing better to do, so he's planning a womb transplant to help a male become a mother. The doctor said, quote, every transgender woman wants to be as female as possible. This is a real story. It really is. I'm not making any of this up. But the question I have is if you fill a Ziploc bag full of water and then you stick that Ziploc bag inside of a sink, does the sink then become a Ziploc bag? I didn't think so. A judge in the United Kingdom has ruled that calling a man bald is a form of sexual harassment. Honestly, again, I'm not making this stuff up. It's really true. Baldness is now a protected sexual characteristic, and it was compared to commenting on the size of a woman's chest. So does that mean that bald men in the UK now have to wear coverings over their heads or be considered naked? Honest question. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 1646. The Westminster Confession is drafted in the Jerusalem Room at Westminster Abbey. The confessions were drafted by an assembly of Episcopalians, Presbyterians and Independents and became the foundation of Reformed theology throughout Europe and America. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Maybe this is why you lack assurance. This is Wretched Radio, a plague in evangelical Christianity these days. Okay, there are a lot of them, but one of the plagues that we hear about most often here at Wretched Radio is an individual who is super anxious they're not saved. They're worried that they're not in God's kingdom, that he has not elected them perhaps remembering God's faithfulness accompanied to his promises will give you increasing assurance. This is a really, really big deal for a lot of people. You know people that struggle with assurance. Perhaps you do. From a sermon titled, God Will Fulfill His Word from Charles Simeon, 1759 to 1836. Wow, he was old. That would be 41, 77. That's pretty good for that time, isn't it? His text was numbers. God is not a man that he should lie. What did God say about you and the state of your soul? If you will come unto him, he will not cast you out. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You cannot separate yourself from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You are in his hand and you cannot be snatched out. Those are promises. He never lies. But this insightful dead guy said there are some people who are inclined to think, well, maybe he could. Maybe he would. Maybe he did. This is common. Under conviction of sin, when men are deeply convinced of sin, they find it exceedingly difficult to rest simply on the promises of the gospel. This is for you if you see your sin and immediately conclude you're disqualified. Now, remember, 
If you're living in willful, unrepentant sin, you don't care about your filth, then you are in big trouble. You are one who should be concerned. But if you are concerned, that is the sign you shouldn't be concerned. And you need to remember God's faithfulness and his promises that he doesn't change his mind. That's another reason that I believe in eternal security, because God would have to change his mind. Okay, I'm going to save Jimmy. Nah, not anymore. Nah. <laughs> 12 years is all he gets. I'm, I'm pulling it back. I'm not going to let him be saved anymore. He was my child, but I've unadopted him. I've broken the adoption. I've disinherited him. He doesn't do that. There isn't even anything remotely close to that in the Bible. Okay, take that back. You might be able to cite the quid pro quo nature of the Mosaic Covenant. Deuteronomy 28, if you act like this, you get these blessings. If you don't, you won't. Now, that was a contract with a nation. People promising we're going to act like this or else. Now, that was, that was a conditional covenant. But God's promises to you that are replete in the Bible are not conditional. They don't change. There is no mechanism in the Bible for God to change his mind about you. If you're in Christ, you're in Christ. I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter how you feel. Look past your feelings and look to the faithfulness of God, and you will find yourself not fretting anymore about the state of your soul. And you might end up having gulp joy. Back to the dead guy. God promises to cast out none who come to him by Jesus Christ to wash them from sins of deepest dye, and to bestow on them all the blessings of salvation freely without money and without price. That would be your Isaiah 55. Now, this appears too good to be true. The person struggling with sin cannot conceive how God should justify the ungodly, and therefore they seek to become godly first in order that they might be justified. And if they cannot bring some price in their hands, they keep back and give themselves over to desponding fears. Does that sound like you if you're lacking assurance? I got to start doing more stuff. No, there's little question you have to do more stuff. We all do. But not to earn God's favor and not for him to keep his promises. His promise of eternal life is not conditional. It is Sure, and maybe, just maybe, one of the reasons that so many saints are struggling with assurance is because of our preaching. Not fully persuaded of what I'm about to yammer, but I think it's at least worthy of our consideration, whether you're a pastor or you're a parishioner. What are the sermons aiming at? What's the point of preaching this Sunday? And I can't help but think that maybe, just maybe, because we've seen so much ridiculous sermonizing, you can't even, speeching, speech-making, that's what they're, they're giving you a pep talk at these silly centers, that maybe because we've responded that to be super didactic, and teaching and structuring our verse. Now, make no mistake about it. I think that's crucial and it should be coherent. But for whatever this is worth, as I'm reading through these dead guys, they didn't preach exactly the way that we do. Their sermons were aimed at something. They were aimed at the hearts of God's people through the portal of their minds. 
so that they could live not a sour life, but a sweet life of joy. And so when you read through one of these dead guys, what first of all is staggering is how many Bible verses are in each one of these sermons. I mean, it is constant. Some of these fellows, every other verse is like, oh, there's a Bible. Oh, there's a Bible. Oh, there's a Bible quote. And they talk about just like Jabinadad in Second Kings. Who? Jabinadad. Who was? I got it. How do they know this? They didn't have a computer. They didn't have Google back then. So they didn't find their they didn't have their stories and go find their Bible verse. No, they did not. They had their <laughs> Bible verses and wrote their sermons. And I think this particular sermon from Charles Spurgeon kind of gets at what I'm talking about. This is the close to his sermon on God's faithfulness. Listen to what he's doing here. Maybe this is something we need to be doing more of. He said this preaching. I must close all of this by reminding you that he is amen with regard to his person. He is still faithful and true, immutably the same, not less than God. No furrows on that eternal brow, no palsy in that mighty arm, no faintness in that almighty heart, no lack of fullness in his all-sufficiency, no diminution in the keenness of his eye. He has no defects, omnipotent, immutable, eternal, omnipresent still, God over all, blessed forever. O Jesus, we adore thee, thou great amen. Boom, sir, we would see Jesus. We need didactics, but if it does not point us toward the amen that is Jesus Christ, then you shouldn't say amen yet because you didn't do the job completely. Keep doing didactics. Keep keep outlining your sermons so that they're structured and we get the flow of the text. But I have to tell you, that seems to be less of a concern of these guys. Not, not, not always. But it seems to be that they were trying to make sure that you got it, that you are in God's love and that he is worthy to be praised. And what you're hearing from Spurgeon is you ponder these truths, truth, truth, truth about God, and then it just erupts. In a way, this is almost Pauline. I don't think that Spurgeon preached from a manuscript. I think he preached from notes or just from his noggin on a text. He was talking about God's immutability and his all-sufficiency. And that he has omnipotence and he's immutable and he's eternal and he's omnipresent. And then he just bursts out into doxology. Oh, Jesus, we adore thee, thou great amen. That's what preaching should do. Here's the last paragraph. He is the same, too, as is his manhood, bone of our bones still, talking about Jesus, in all our afflictions still afflicted, our brother in ties of blood as much today as when he wore a peasant's garb and said foxes have holes and the birds of the air nest, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. The same heart of sympathy, the same bowels of compassion still remembering us and bidding us remember him. Not for a moment changed because of the change of his condition. Not for an instant unmindful of us because of the harps of angels and the songs of the redeemed. As quick to hear a sigh or catch a tear today as when in the days of his flesh he comforted his people and carried the lambs in his bosom. The Amen Savior. Oh, blessed be his name. Let us worship him as the great mediator between God and our souls 
feeling joy to think that in all this, he suffers no shadow of change. Amen. That's, that's an amen. Because it took all of that, that knowledge about God, and it reminded us it's actually available to us. And we get to know the one who is faithful and who never changes. He is never shifting in his opinions. You get to know him. And if you've repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ, you do. You're in him. And if you're wobbling and you're lacking assurance, you need to remember his faithfulness. And that when we read the Bible and we see God delivering on a promise, delivering on a promise, fulfilling a promise, you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt if you have repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ, then you are his and he is yours. This is Wretched Radio. Here's a preborn story that starts out a little on the bitter side, but ends up being very sweet. Neighborhood pastor's daughter ends up pregnant, and she was very abortion-minded, not wanting to face the consequences of her indiscretion. And she met her baby on the ultrasound. She just wept uncontrollably. Couldn't do it. That baby's alive today because an ultrasound was underwritten for a girl. And otherwise, even though she was a Christian, saw abortion as the easy answer. That is the power of an ultrasound. When it woman in crisis sees her baby. 80% of the time she chooses life for just $28. You could provide one of those ultrasounds, but I would ask you, how many ultrasounds might you be able to provide? The more ultrasounds, the more saved babies. Please consider what you can do at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. What's the one question you think we get the most here at Wretched? It's, why do you guys do what you do? And we thought the best person to answer that question was you. Wretched Radio has just really brought me closer to God. Wretched has changed my life. Wretched Radio, you all have done a great job at really bringing joy into our lives. Our goals have always been to preach the gospel, to equip people to preach the gospel, and to strengthen the local church. And when we hear testimonies from real people just like you, we are encouraged. My life will never be the same because of you guys. Through your video, God saved me. Wretched Radio, you encouraged me to walk with the Lord. And we know we would never be able to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel if it weren't for the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to save the lost and reach millions of people with the gospel? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the information you could ever want to know about becoming a gospel partner. That's wretched.org slash donate. This is our dear brother, Max, in Ukraine, who's been a Tomorrow Club leader now for almost 20 years, giving us a picture of what is going on currently in Ukraine, specifically regarding the activity of the Tomorrow Clubs, normally kids' clubs where they meet every week to hear the gospel. But right now, those Tomorrow Club leaders are spending their efforts simply trying to minister to people who are in danger, or who have nothing. And our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West are trying to, to meet the needs of those families. We had to escape serving them. It's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. 
There are many who need the bare necessities of life. Tomorrow Clubs is trying to serve them in that regard. Would you please consider what you might do for Ukrainian believers at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the cornerstone. When laying a foundation, every stone must be aligned in reference to the cornerstone. God is building his church as a holy temple, and as believers, we are being brought into line with the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You didn't think we were done with this subject, did you? This is Wretched Radio. We've discussed God's faithfulness. Now let's talk about yours. This is Wretched Radio. God is faithful. He always does what he's supposed to do, what he promises to do. He does what he is, always unwavering. What about us? What about you and me? Are we faithful? We live in an era where amusements bid us to give us their attention a lot. Did you know the average whippersnapper spends eight hours a day on their cell phones? Eight hours, eight, eight hours every day. That's 56 hours a week. That is like a really serious full-time job plus. That's actually lower than I would have expected. Eight hours. And it might be because I don't think any of us track it as well as we should. Tell me you haven't argued with your cell phone on the day of the week when it says your viewing time has been whatever number of hours and minutes this week up this percent or yeah. nah, that's a, nah, that can't be right. <laughs> we spend a lot of time on it and it calls us to come and listen. Okay. I've got, I, this could be so wildly wrong, but it's okay because I'm a talk show host and that makes it right. Was at the campus yesterday talking to the students out there. Had a really good time. God was super kind to give us kids that were quite colorful <laughs> and rather interesting. And the, and the last person that we witnessed to was a young man named Paul and his affect was quite bright he was rather bright-eyed and bushy-tailed quick to smile his voice he had some fluctuate just wasn't just delivering yeah well um i used to go to church as a kid he just seemed to have a little light inside of him and i asked him how many hours a day do you spend on your phone and he's like oh um not a boy an hour maybe i guess on a bad day two hours i can't help but use one man <laughs> as a scientific study to say, I think it changes the personality of a person. I think the more time you spend on social media, the, it, it changes your personality. It makes you far less interesting, vibrant, and interested. I think I've mentioned, okay, I know I have, Cal Newton, I think is his name. <clears throat> the book is called Deep Work trying to help my ADH, whatever that thing is called, to be a little less distracting all the time and to do deep work, to really dig in and concentrate on something, to come up with a better product. And that applies to everybody's profession, no matter what it is. 
And he was talking about a journalist. He was an author who had to write an article about social media and its effects on people. And so he decided for this experiment that he would cut the cord to Twitter and Instagram, YouTube, all of it just gone for 25 days. And he discovered an interesting phenomenon. He found himself after the first week, it took it was like a detox, but then he found himself having more conversations with more strangers. Isn't that interesting? Once again, here's my scientific study that I know is definitively correct because I'm a talk show host. When we walk these days, people just walk right by us. And we, you know, I, I make eye contact because, you know, we're, we're humans and, and we, we live on God's green earth. And so I, I looked at like, hi, how are you? Hey, cool dog, whatever. Hot night, isn't it? Oh, little human out here, huh, Harry? Whatever. They don't even look. They don't even talk. They don't engage. And I'm wondering how much of that is the fruit of social media. And perhaps it is social media that has kept you from being faithful. You're spending a lot of time dilly-dallying. And perhaps, like I can do, justify the downtime because you've had a hard day. I get it. There are some days that are that way, and you don't want to make a law where there is no law, but we need to be about our master's business, and we need to be faithful because he's faithful. We need to get her done because God does, and we need to remember what he has gotten done for us so that we can do for him. This is a book called Faithfulness by Lou Priolo, Three Key Elements of Faithfulness. God has entrusted you with a variety of specific responsibilities in the form of gifts, abilities, or talents, of tasks or familial and vocational duties, or of ministries. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. That isn't just for pastors. That's for all of us. It's 1 Peter 4. We all have responsibilities that have been assigned to us by God or indirectly by his agents. Have you forgotten that you're on assignment from God, that he has prepared works for you to step into and to walk and to get her done? You are on assignment. We aren't here to simply amuse ourselves to death. We're here to do something eternally important, and we're supposed to be faithful. Back to Lou. Most of us have two types of responsibilities, those that we really enjoy doing and those we don't. By the end of any given week, responsibilities can be neglected. They're usually the ones that you didn't want to do in the first place. Lou writes, somehow I managed to consistently fulfill those responsibilities that I enjoy doing. But a faithful Christian fulfills his duties whether he wants to do them, whether he feels like doing them or not. An unfaithful person does what he feels like doing and doesn't do what he doesn't feel like doing. There's another booklet. We don't have, maybe we do have this one. Yeah, I think we do. We've got a bunch of biblical counseling resources. The other book, I don't know where that thing is. I was reading it last night also. It was a, a test of how you are using your minutes. And it was really clever. You'll find it at wretched.org. Just go to the books and you're going to see books on faithfulness and time management. This is about time management, how to be a better time manager. And it was really smart. It had you list. It gives you, it provides a chart for you. Write down your responsibilities and categorize them. Is it something that's got to be done? So for instance, you got to go to work. 
okay, there's 40 hours a week or the commute, make it 50, whatever it is. You've got to do familial things. You've got to be going to church and serving in your local church. But then there's a bunch of other things that's they're important, but not necessary. Then there's other things that are more or less important, but optional. And then you categorize which one of these activities it is, how many hours it's taking. And if it's if you then after doing this with all of the different responsibilities that we all have, reading your Bible, loving your kids, going to football games, whatever it is, if it's more than 672, whatever, whatever 24 hours times seven is, 24 times, it'd be eight, 678, I think, something like it. If it's more than that, stuff has to go. You can't get everything done. So how do you go about chopping your priorities off the list? The stuff that's, that's not very important and it's optional. It's got to go. That might include your cell phone. That might include YouTube viewing. Do you need that? Well, no, I don't. Well, okay, you don't have enough time to do the stuff you've got to do that you're instructed and commanded to do. So you cut off the stuff that's piffle. Let it go. It's not important. I'm telling you, when you do that, God rewards his children. God rewards his children. You will have a sense of what, what, what God has me doing is actually important. When you start sacrificing the trivial things, back to Lou Priolo. But when I don't feel like doing something, and I do it anyway, you may object, I feel like a hypocrite. Is God really pleased with that kind of obedience? Well, it depends on your motives. Obeying the Lord when you don't feel like doing so may be greater manifestation of your love for him than obeying when you are happy to do so. It's not a matter of hypocrisy to feel one way and act another way. That is a matter of responsibility. You don't feel like doing it? Is God pleased when you do it? I would suggest to you he might be even more pleased. Think about your own kids. Hey, son, the garage needs to be swept out again. Ah, I don't want to. Or most likely they'll just say nothing because they've got their earbuds in and they'll pretend like they didn't hear a word you just said. But lo and behold, you don't say anything else, and you step outside, and they're sweeping the garage. And you know they don't feel like it. You pleased with that, Pop? Mom? Are you happy when your daughter does something, maybe even without you asking, that you know she doesn't dig? You're pleased with that, and so is God. If you've been struggling with faithfulness, might I encourage you to spend more time studying the one who is faithful so that you can be faithful in big things, you can be faithful in little things. In fact, if, by the way, your life is feeling unfulfilled because you're not doing what you perceive to be the big things, remember, they're big things to God because they're his assignments for you. Second of all, the more you are faithful to doing little things, the more likely he is to entrust you with bigger things. So maybe the reason that you're not doing the thing, I just, that's what I want to do up there, it's because you're not being faithful to doing the things down here. Study his faithfulness. Stud Read the gospel of Mark and watch Jesus work tirelessly, immediately, 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 immediately. He did what he was told to do by the Father. You study him and his faithfulness and your faithfulness and joy will increase. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.